The Cappuccino Podcast brought to you in association with Tactical Solutions. For all your tactical solutions, check them out at www.tactical.co.nz. It's that time again, so grab yourself a cup of joe and get ready for the Cappuccino with Constable Brian. My uh, guest today, and honestly, start drinking your hot chocolate now because this is the CV of a perennial underachiever. She is a partner of a lawyer, law firm, uh, Stace Hammond. She's been practicing family law since 2009. She's been a, she's got a Bachelor of Law, BA in Social Sciences. She handles all types of matters, including parenting, guardianship, disputes, domestic violence, relationship, property, financial support, adoption, surrogacy. Embryo donation, paternity issues, family protection, claims, applications under the Protection of Personal and Property Rights Act. She's a member of the Auckland Women's Lawyers Association. She's a fellow White Ribbon Ambassador, full respect for that. Written and presented legal seminars on family law issues. Uh, she's authored articles uh, for the New Zealand Law Society publications. Uh, she's done huge amounts of um, seminars. Uh, she con- she's contributed to quarterly magazines uh, to the family law section. She's a member of the New Zealand Laws, a New Zealand Law Society's Lawyer Standards Committee. Uh, she's a mentor at the New Zealand Law Society. She's a member of the College of Law and Slash New Zealand Bar Association. Uh, she's a mentoring panel and member of New Zealand Law Society for Family Law Section, uh, and she's also part of the Auckland District Law Society. Um, she's also a mum and a wife. I guess we better not forget those. And apparently, from what I read, not too bad a shabby cook either, just quietly. Oh, look, I don't know about that. I, I don't know that I deserve that. Um, but take it. I'll, I'll take it. I'll okay. take it for now. So my great, <laughs> well, it's my great pleasure to introduce Kesia Denhart. Did I get it right? You did. Oh, Thank you, Magic. Brian. There You've we go. You've done very well. Right. Okay. So knowing that you are a busy lawyer and probably have no time. Oh, actually, I should say as well, if her voice sounds familiar, because she's been on The Rock and The Project and everything else, so this is obviously going to be an absolute career highlight, being on the cappuccino <laughs> with Constable Brian. <laughs> Thank you, Council. All <laughs> uh, right, okay, all right. So, uh, speed round dedicated to what I think is the world's greatest police movie, Speed with Keanu Reeves in it. It's got Sandra Bullock in it, it's got Dennis Hopper, he's Neo, John Wick, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? I won't disagree. No, okay, cool. Right, so, that said, pop quiz hotshot, uh, eight random questions for you. The best movie or TV show is about lawyers that will court settings is what? Oh, gosh. In your opinion, in your humble opinion. Yeah. And boy, is it humble and and rather embarrassing, I must add. Um, Suits was something that really captured me, had me entirely consumed for quite some time. I have to say, I've fallen off the wagon now. I I haven't watched any of the recent episodes or anything like that. But um, I'll I'll, I'll have to say that and be honest about it. Okay, that's all good. No worries. Uh, (laughs) Well, Boston Legal. Boston Legal was good. Well, shit. God bless. Uh, 92 he turned the other day as well. Is that right? And he's an astronaut now. Even better. Um, Last book... That you read, not legal or um, professional book, but the last sort of fiction or non-fiction book you read. Oh gosh, 
I'm sorry, I feel like I'm really failing you here, Brian, but I cannot recall, and you know why? Because, because. I've got a two-year-old and a three-month-old, and reading is just a pleasure that I do not um, so have time for at the I'm moment, I'm going to guess it's something like spot on the bus or the gruffalo or something like that. 100%. You know what? I should have given you an answer like that because yeah. I could give you, you know, I could read it to you without it in front yep, of me. Exactly. I know the words that well. Exactly. Uh, what's the perfect Sunday morning look like for you? So you open your eyes and go, today's going to be perfect. What's the perfect Sunday morning look like? Yeah, well, I'm going to take you a step back and say before I've opened my eyes, I've had a good sleep. So Boom. we'll start there. there you go, <laughs> because that's again, a, that's another thing I miss right now. Keep, yep. um, um, I um, would say getting up, having a hot chocolate. Um, so you've delivered on that. Thank you, Brian, there this you morning. Um, having a hot chocolate or a cup of tea. Um, spending time with my husband and two kids. Um, and perhaps going for a walk in the sun. That's Boom. a really nice way to start the day. Can't be that. Mm. Do you collect anything? I used to, but very recently stopped um, collecting teacups. There you go. So, um, much to my husband's dismay. So, um, he sort of thinks I'm, you know, well beyond my years with that hobby. But um, they've all ended up in the basement and storage oh, now, so he's quite pleased yep. about that. Because, of course, it's not very safe with kids around no, 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 <laughs> with the cabinet yep. and the, with the teacups. Not wrong. So, so yeah. Yep. Okay, one thing that you can't live without, and you can't say your family, it's got to be something that... Uh, is perennial, just perennially, just you. Oh, gosh. Do so, you know what I'm going to say? And this might be a little bit random, but it's the first one thing that's come to my head is probably my to-do lists. I'm an organisation freak, and it's one of the only ways I get through my life, you know, personal and professional, <laughs> is having my to-do lists at hand. You know, and now I have them on my phone and my notes I just, on yeah, my phone. Who would, but, I would have never have guessed, having a look at your sort of resume before we got started, <laughs> that you were an organisational freak. Left um, field, right? Yeah, 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 I know, <laughs> random, yeah. Uh, one talent that you have... That you can't use in your job. Like, can you play the ukulele or ride a unicycle or something silly like that? Um, no, I'm not that clever. No, and I'm not that, I wouldn't say I'm creative in my job, but I'm not sort of creative in the other senses. Um, I bet you can sing nursery rhymes like most mums can. So I there you love go. that you're helping me out with my there answer go. there. You can see I'm struggling. Thank yeah. you so no much, worries. Brian. I do like a sing-along. It's all good. Yep, no, I, no I do. And it certainly doesn't help me with my advocacy. No. There we go. Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Judge yeah, wouldn't yeah. be that entertained or amused, well, I don't think, you by ne- broken to song. You never know. It depends on you who the judge is. You never know. I might yep. sway them. I yeah, don't yeah. know. Uh, so when you were a kid, who was your idol? Hmm. I was my when I was a kid. I mean, I did very much look up to my parents. Yep. Um, and, yeah, I think probably, yeah, my immediate, you know, idols or people that I looked up to and admired were my parents. Cool. Yeah. Uh, guilty pleasure is what? Uh, guilty pleasure would be, oh, cheese. Oh, there you it's go. It's got to be some sort of food, but yeah, yeah, from yeah, my yeah. perspective, but cheese. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'll go with that. Any particular flavour? Uh, I really love brie and I really love blue cheese, which I know can be quite controversial. No, no, definitely not. Okay, right. So (laughs) when was the moment, and I should say before we even get started, uh, please don't take uh, Kesia's advice uh, or my advice as sort of strict, 100% legal advice, okay? Uh, This is sort of the very closest you'll get to a disclaimer for this podcast. (laughs) It's just two people chatting. uh, So yeah, just have a listen and... um, if you want legal advice, then please make sure that you seek out a qualified uh, lawyer. That, that would be correct, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Done. Okay, right. So when was the moment that you decided, you know what, the light bulb moment, I'm going to be a lawyer? Because you get some people who just know. I knew from the age of nine I was going to be a cop. 
because um, wow. I met Erica Strata from a TV program called Chips. You have never seen it because you're too young. No. Long story short. But when was your light bulb moment that you were yeah. going to be a lawyer? Um, and I think it is a great question too, isn't it? Because even though it's the you know my education and training, it wasn't necessarily the path I was going to go down. Um, you know, I did it at uni and that sort of thing, but who knew what I was going to do when I left? Yeah. Um, do you know, I think um, it was probably being involved in the uh, family law paper uh, when I was at university, University of Otago, that is, um, with Mark Hennigan. Um, he was then the um, dean of the faculty of law there, and he, um, as I say, he ran the um, family law paper there. And anyone who's been a student of his would agree with me readily, I'm sure. He is such an inspirational person. He, um, yeah, he's just, he's incredible. I can't say um, enough good things about the man, but he really um, captured my interest with um, family law and I saw how diverse it was and in particular I was very interested in the role of lawyer for child which is still a goal of mine I haven't quite got around to I'm um, realizing um, after all these years um, I need to make time for it and prioritize it but anyway I digress um, he really did pique my interest and I think that's when I decided look I'm going to do you know first and foremost I'm going to do law yep. but um, secondly you know I want it to be that area of practice um, yeah now I don't know Amongst lawyers, um, it may not be the same, but sort of general members of public look at the two laws, right? Criminal law is sort of the, the shiz. Let's be honest, it is the shiz, all right? <laughs> People see it on the TV and everything else. It was and, my runner-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, toying with the idea. Yeah, I yeah. bet. And, you know, you don't get too many uh, TV programs or um, tell-all books on family law as such. Um, so what made you... I, I guess you had your lecturer there, but what made you choose... Family law was it just the fact that you were doing good for other people and that you weren't involved in the criminal law system, that, yeah. or was it just that the influence of your lecturer at university there? So that was part of it, Brian. But also it was, um, or it's sort of multitude of things. I think um, I, am, in terms of law generally, I'm a stickler for rules, and so that really attracted me to um, to the um, work of law. But in terms of family specifically, um, absolutely, I've been driven by my. Um, desire to my you know, genuine interest in people and in particular a passion to help people um, I'm passionate about helping people and I do think that family law is an area that's really rewarding in that sense um, you are helping people I mean every day is different yep. and I do really like the um, diversity that it brings and as I say every day is different and every case is different so there'll be similarities but but that no you know, two are the same yeah um, so I also felt when I was sort of uh, thinking about what area I would go into, um, I thought about what area of practice would have you know longevity and what would endure through troubled times. So, for example, um, local or global um, situations, you know, like the pandemic. I was going to say, I thought you were going to tell me you had an inside inside knowledge on the pandemic. No, no. Years before it started, there's something there, but no. Oh, yeah, look, I would have been in touch to let you know. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely not. Um, and I thought, you know, that. Um, Family law would, and certainly this has, you know, um, delivered, uh, has delivered, you know, um, in this sense, it would endure through through those things. Because some areas of practice, of course, the likes of um, property or immigration and, and bits and pieces like that, they do sort of dry up when these sorts of things happen sometimes, right? So everyone has a family. Everyone will always have a family. We come in all different shapes and sizes, but we all have one. Yep. Um, and there's always issues um, involved in a family, you know, that, that are legal and that, you know, you could require assistance from a lawyer to navigate, you know, through those issues. So it sort of seemed to me to be quite a sensible 
decision to go into that area of practice too, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but certainly I think fundamentally it was the um, you know, the helping people aspect that drew me to it most. Yeah. Right. Now, this is going to be a tricky one, for, especially for your mummy brain, but here we go. So family law mm-hmm. and criminal law. Very quickly for the layman, what's the difference? Because lots of people will... Uh, turn up at court, and I've I've been there involved in criminal matters where mm. they've sort of said, hey, this has gone on and that's gone on and I want this to happen and everybody in the room sitting there, not embarrassed for the person, but sort of saying, well, actually, that's a family law yeah, matter, that's not sure. a criminal law matter. Yeah. So would you mind just very quickly explaining it to us, first, family law, and then second, criminal law? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, let me think. The key, key differences between family and criminal law. Okay, so... Different processes and procedures, of course, as you would imagine. I'll start there because that's easy. Um, in terms of um, how decisions are made and delivered, they're, of course, different. And what I mean by that is um, decision-making in each court is, is different in the sense of the standard of, um, sorry, the burden of proof. So in criminal, we've got, um, you know, beyond reasonable doubt, of course. In um, yep. civil courts like the family court, it's unbalanced probability, so more likely than not. Um and in terms of the delivery, you know, criminal is, you know, guilty, not guilty. Um, family isn't quite necessarily quite that simplistic. No, yep. um, so, yes, um, what else, what else? Of course, um, subject matter is entirely different. So family law is to do with family relationships. Um, criminal law is to do with um, criminal offences. And so it could be, you know, robbery, um, burglary. You'll know all about um, some other examples. <laughs> I'm hoping so, otherwise there's a college instructor going, I tried with that boy so hard, but no. Oh, yeah, anyway. d- I doubt yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, um, what else What else is there? The setting um, is different. So, of course, um, as you would imagine, family law matters... Um, the scene for family law matters to take um, to play out in court as in the family court. Um, criminal law matters um, are heard by the district court, or for more serious um, offences, they'll be heard by the high court. And those two courts operate quite differently. They'll be quite um, the environment's quite similar in terms of the personnel and the um, protocols and that sort of thing. But um, but in terms of whether it's a closed court or an open court, so because of the personal and sensitive nature of the subject matter that comes before the family court. It's a, what we call a closed court. Mm-hmm. Um, parties and their representatives, in other words, and perhaps some support people and things like that. Um, but otherwise, it's the judge and the registrar. Um, in criminal court, um, it is because of public interest and um, other reasons like that. Um, it is generally an open court. So it means that you know the media can attend um, and the public can, can come and um, check out what's going on in, in a criminal matter. Um, yeah, I think those are probably the key differences. You still get your wig and gown, don't you? We, not in the family court, we go. don't. That, yeah. Boom. Yeah. So that's yeah. another mistake that lots of people make, is they think, oh, wig and gown, blah, blah, yes. blah. And I'm like, no, yeah. in actual fact, having been to family court a couple of times, uh, you know, very often the family lawyer will walk in and people will be like, uh, who are you? And you'll actually have to introduce myself as yourself and say, actually, I'm the lawyer for such and such. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, which I, I always think is a great thing. I can imagine that. Yeah. And I think pr- probably the other thing, Brian, would be in um, in the criminal law, um, it's sort of, you know, of course there's room for argument here to some extent, naturally, but um, there's, you know, you either meet the elements of the offence or you don't, right? Yep. But with family law, 
a heck of a lot of it is discretionary, and yep. so there's you know a lot of room for you know really there's fertile ground really for some pretty interesting argument there. Yep. So it's operating in the area of grey, I suppose, and that's one of the yeah, big which things I, think, I really love about it. Uh, talking to some criminal lawyers, I spoke to them. And, oh, you know, we're like quite lucky because we tend to be a bit black and white. Yes, whereas yeah. family lawyers tend to be a lot of a lot more. They said. He said, she said, and mm. this is this, and that's this, and it's quite, it's quite murky, and it's a bit more of a minefield. I think uh, sometimes in criminal lawyers, but I don't think people actually realise that. So maximum yes. respect. Yep. Yes. Okay. All right. So on a day-to-day basis, what's sort of the biggest problems and issues that you see coming before the court and before the family court? And I'm guessing, oh, divorce or relationship breakup is going to be. Obviously, a big one. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then after that, what are some of the the other matters for people who've never been to family court that you may deal with on sort of a day to day basis? That I'm not going to say uh, your bread and butter, but uh, sort of more common cases. Okay. So, what are the most common cases that come across my desk? I would say um, presently, anyway, because it does it does actually vary quite a lot, um, Brian. Depending on where you're practicing, mm-hmm. I think, yep. and of course the time that you're practicing in as well. Yeah. But but where you're practicing in terms of you know where and for example, I'm you know practice in Auckland. Where in Auckland you practice? So when I first started out in South Auckland, and way back in two thousand and nine, a lot of what I you know I was coming across a lot of um, family violence cases and paternity issues and yep. things like that. But now in the city and where I've been since when two thousand twelve, I believe. Um, it's a lot more relationship property division stuff, um, a lot more financial um, issues, you know, such as financial support following a separation, spousal maintenance, or um, child support, and, you know, things like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the most common in terms of what comes before the court, though, and rather than my practice, I think I've gone a little bit off track there. No, you're um, good. Is, um, but that's what, what sort of comes to me. In terms of, um, you know, what I come across in court, I mean, of course, um, that is really dictated by what I'm appearing in court about, I suppose, is really dictated, of course, by my caseload. So those are the, you know, the cases that I'm sort of involved in mostly nowadays is, and I suppose it's also a matter of um, seniority or level as well. You do um, tend to get into some pretty complex, um, novel, interesting cases as you, you know, as you progress in your career, of course. Um, And so I have gotten into um, some pretty interesting um, areas of, you know, those that sort of subject matter, so yep. some quite complex, difficult um, relationship property matters um, involving trusts and companies and things like that. And would I be correct in assuming that, like criminal lawyers, the more sort of uh, high profile or in the media that you become, the more your services start becoming in demand and people are like, that's the woman for me. Yeah, yep. I think to some extent, and um, certainly sort of in the last couple of years or so, I have... Um, been called upon um, increasingly um, to comment about family law matters, which has been really cool. Um, And a lot of the time that has been um, about family violence, because I am quite well known for my contribution to to that area. Um, And as you say, you know, being a white ribbon ambassador and um, just the volunteer work I've done throughout my life for the likes of Shine and um, Refuges and and things like that. So... um, 
Yeah, I think I ha- I definitely have had people, you know, contact me because they've seen me on the TV or heard me on the radio or on a podcast or, you know, something like that. But I wouldn't say, you know, all the time, certainly didn't no, say that. No. But uh, but that has been, yeah, there has yep. been that interest from people because they've thought, as you say, you know, for whatever reason, they've thought, yeah, Kessia is the right fit for me and, yeah, yep. she could help me with what I need help with. Now, you and I have played in the same sandpits because we've both worked in South Auckland um, and We've both done stuff in the family court, obviously you more than I. Uh, <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, for police officers especially, that switching off is a big thing. Like you said, you've yeah. got two young kids. Uh, I have n- absolutely no doubt that you see the worst of humanity, like I do sometimes as well. Yeah. Um, and some there'll be some days it does take you mm, two, three hours to come back into that sort of parent mode. Yeah, you're quite happy to play with your kids and do all that stuff because you're actually sitting there thinking, you know, oh my God, that happened to this kid or that kid. So what's, I guess you sort of switch off switch. Do you have a routine? Do you like, for me, um, I like to exercise, but I also like, and people look at me and go, seriously, uh, I like to listen to heavy metal. Um, I I like to really listen to loud music. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, um, that's my switch off. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, yeah, and it's a really great question, and I think no matter how much we talk about work-life balance, there's never any sort of magic, this is you know, this is the answer, it's different for everyone, and mm-hmm. you've just got to do your best, right? Um, and in my earlier years, it was, I mean, gosh, Brian, I was shocking. I, you know, literally it would be, first thing I'd do in the morning would be checking my emails, last thing I would do at night would be checking my emails, and here's the real kicker, on the way home in the car I'd be checking my emails, but you know, between office yeah, and yeah, home, yeah, yeah. it was nuts. Yeah. Um, but I've really tried to pull back on that, and it's you know it takes it takes time, um, and I think you know when you have children as well, obviously you have even more commitments and responsibilities that you need to navigate and sort of work around. But certainly, um, my the the only way I've sort of gotten through it, I think, has been with um, you know the help of my husband. Um, to be honest, because. He's been um, the person who makes me dinner because I'm sitting at the, you know, as soon as I've got home, I've had to go back on, you know, log back on. Um, He's been, you know, since we've had kids, you know, he'll he'll put maybe my son down while I log back on you, things like that. So we sort of work as a team. But in terms of how um, I actually, as you say, sort of decompress... I think, you know, reading was, as we sort of talk, I alluded to earlier, I, I do love reading. I just don't yep. have time for it at the moment. Nothing um, wrong with spots goes, spot goes to the zoo. That's fine. Yeah, yep. yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, it's limited to those sorts of books at the moment. but And that will change in time, but yep. it's not right now. Um, so, yeah, I do love reading. Um, and I, like you, I do enjoy exercise, you know, not just for, um, you know, what it does for your mental health and, and, and your physical health, but um, for, you know, just getting out in the fresh air and being outside. Yep. Um, because I spend, of course, a lot of my time inside, right? Yeah, yep, yep. Um, and, um, and again, we sort of touched on this a bit earlier, but baking. I really, um, you've obviously done your homework and probably read something somewhere about that, but I There's do love... There's a billboard at the end of your road that says, <laughs> great cupcakes here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, and pl- please, um, don't misinterpret me and think that I'm some sort of whiz or, you know, domestic goddess in the kitchen because I do not deserve that credit, like I say, at all. It's I, very basic muffins and I slices and things like that. I just hope that all of like your that. workmates are listening to this and going, man, when she comes back, this is going to be awesome. There's our key packages. Yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. full spread, yeah. Um, but... Um, I think maybe it's to do with the 
sort of the formula behind it, Brian? You know, they say with baking, you know, you have this much of this and this, you know, like yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. follow the recipe, yep. right? And I think I find that quite therapeutic. And I think maybe it's sort of a break. I'm sort of psychoanalyzing myself right now and I really haven't <laughs> just thinking, to this extent before. As you were but, talking about this, I can think of like sort of the lists and the organizational. And I'm looking at a <laughs> I know recipe I've got and I'm my like, book and everything. Well, there we go. Yeah. yeah, there it is. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's, I guess it's, um, as I say, as much as I love the. Um, the grey areas in terms of my professional life and my personal life, it's quite nice for things to be really simple, I guess. Like I say, I'm just analysing this now as yeah, we yeah. speak. Yep. Um, and, you know, you know what you're doing and, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not sort of um, arguable, you yep. know? You just, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe it's it. maybe that's something to do with it too. I Who knows? Know. Uh, yeah. Right now, junior lawyers, like our rookie cops, they make that mistake of... Uh, everything's harder, faster, I'm on call 24-7, I'll do that, let me take care of that for you, I got this sorted, no dramas, blah, 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 and you will know fully well, you'll look at, you looked, when you probably started off, you looked at the, some of the old partners and some of the law societies you're at and go, and they sort of seem to move like a snail's pace, but they seem to be happy with themselves, okay, everybody gets to that stage somewhere in their career, not at moving at a snail's pace, but they actually, they, they figure it out and figure like you've said kind of alluded to before uh it's that whole um rather than um living to work it's work to live yeah when was that light bulb moment for you when when did that happen it's still i don't know that it's happened yet i think it's still to come for (laughs) me um to in some respects and that's terrible but it's an honest answer okay yeah yeah, yeah. um because i don't want to suggest that i'm proud of that or that that's the way it should be because it shouldn't um but, you know, I, sort of, I do my best. Um, uh, yeah, but my work has always been, and I've always said this, Brian, it's been a really big part of my identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure most, a lot of people, you know, um, if not most people would say that. I'm not saying I'm, you know, some, you know, it's a special, um, I'm a special case. But I do, I do feel that way, certainly myself, personally. It's a big part of my identity and sort of who I, how I think of myself and how I hold myself out to people and, you know, things like that. And um, I think... Also, the area I practice in is really consuming, and because I think you might have said something before to the effect of Brian, um, it, often people are coming to you in the worst times of their lives, mm-hmm. and so it's pretty harrowing, and it's not something that you can sort of um, really turn off and on. You need to really develop um, a good ability to compartmentalize. Yeah. Um, but it means that that can be a little bit hard I, I wouldn't say that I you know love to work I certainly wouldn't say no, I put it in yeah. those extreme terms yeah. but I do you know put a lot of my effort yeah, and energies yeah. into it but um it's certainly pulled back by necessity um since I've become a mum because yeah. that's another job that I am so passionate about and most passionate about is making sure that I'm, I'm yeah. a good mum and yeah. nothing levels people out like a shitty nappy let's be honest well that's right yeah, it doesn't it's matter very humbling it doesn't matter if you're a princess a family lawyer a police yeah. officer it's like there's the leveler right there yeah no fair enough okay so if let's say for instance and i know that you mentor young lawyers and everything else and we'll talk a little bit more about that later on but if i'm a young lawyer mm-hmm. uh first year in my career and i sort of say you hey what's your top tip for looking after myself in my career what would it be all oh, right okay um after yourself in your career I mean I think a lot of I'm doing well in this space is to do with confidence Brian honestly and I think mm-hmm. and that can only sometimes can only develop over time so you have to give yourself time yep. and um, gain experiences and um, you know also gun knowledge from other people's experiences yep. and you know you just talked about mentorship 
having a mentor of course can really can really help in that regard um because you know they can share with you their experiences and their knowledge um but also I think just while we're on that topic you know I do find in when I'm involved in mentoring um I really probably get just as much out of it as the mentee if I can call them that because it's sort of a refresher of you know the back to basic stuff um like for example I remember a couple of instances last year where I was speaking to someone that I sort of not formally but informally mentor and she said something to me about I can't remember how it came up but she said something to me about um taking down notes in a um, client meeting and I think it just jogged my memory to I remember the next day when I met with a new client for the first time um to say to them at the outset you know hey look I'm just taking down these notes and you may not have met with a lawyer before but this is just to jog my memory later and it's privileged and confidential and I won't go anywhere without you you know all that sort of stuff and another um instance was um someone also um, a junior lawyer I was speaking to last year um, again can't remember how on earth it came up but said something to me about um, oh gosh you know you must deal with really vulnerable clients um, and they must you know something about I don't know if they would even know where to go when Mm -hmm. they go to court Mm -hmm. or you know what it would look like etc and again Brian that reminded me um Look, I need to, because I used to adopt this practice early on, and I haven't in later years, I must admit. But when you do have a particularly vulnerable client, it is a good idea to take them up to court, you know, prior to some, you know, court date that's upcoming and say, hey, look, you know, point, even if, you know, the courtroom door is closed, point out to them from the outside, you know, this is where you'll be sitting and this is where the judge is and they're looking down on you here and they can see what you're doing and, you know, all those sorts of things and sort of mapping it out for them. So, like I say, those are just two sort of random examples off the top of my head where, I gained from the experience too because it took me back to, you know, we don't all, we're not all here where I am no, right no, now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my big ones is, and I'll ask people, uh, try not to embarrass them in any way, shape, or form. Um, can you read? Because right. the number of, yeah. of people that are illiterate, uh, that we, and it's just one of those things, you know, you and I, yeah, I assume you can read. Here you go, sign this. Or could you have a look at this and tell me if this is a true and accurate sort of record of what you saw? Yes, it is. And it's like, okay, hang on, you didn't read that. Ah, okay, maybe it's that. Yeah, that's such a good point. Okay, so so, now you've kind of alluded to it a little bit, but how the hell do you juggle your time as a mum, a wife, a partner in a law firm, being on committees... Uh, are you a planner, a scheduler, both, OCD? Uh, <laughs> all of the above. All of the above, yeah. Um, I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger used to tell this great story of uh, when he was training for Mr. Olympia, he sort of said, "As my friends are my friends and they'll take me for who and what I am regardless, which is true for everybody, I think. Yeah. But what he used to do was he actually used to pen things in his diary as sort of Mrs. Smith, an appointment with Mrs. Smith for two hours a day. Yeah. That was his weight training schedule so how do you juggle it all I mean I'm going to assume that you've got um, an executive assistant or a PA yes I do have a PA right yeah but even then I mean there must be some moments where your PA's got a haircut like mine pulling it out going (laughs) Casey what are you doing what are you doing you haven't got you can't do that um so how do you do it all like yeah, and I think I sort of said this before, and it's, I suppose it's a b- bit of a boring answer, but it's the honest answer, is my husband. Like yeah, yeah, we, yep. we really are a team, Brian, and I'm so grateful to him for that because we do support each other in every endeavour and yep. you know very genuinely and, and um, very wholeheartedly. And so I don't think I could do what I do. And likewise, he wouldn't be able to you know achieve what he does yep. um, without without his help. And um, I don't know, I've had a few learnings um in this regard, I have to say, like in the last few years um, since becoming a parent and, um, you know, a couple of those would be, 
um, and there's, you know, the just very front of mind for me yeah, at the yeah, moment yeah. being yeah. at home. That's why I'm saying this sort of, you know, immediately afterwards um, is prioritising. So, of course, you've got to prioritise in any job, job mm-hmm, role mm-hmm. that you do, really. But um, you have to do so um, when you're a working parent, obviously, a, a yep. lot. And um, I think, um, you know, every day your priority is going to be different. They're not static, right? Yep. So, like, for example, if if my son has got something on at daycare um, on one particular day and maybe it's a usual working day, if my commitments or deadlines allow... I would like to make him the priority that day. Yep. But the following day, perhaps I'm supposed to be with Louis, you know, I'll flip it yep. and, you know, work is my priority that day. So, you know, it, it changes all the time and it depends on what's going on. Um, but the the, uh, the other learning that I'm thinking of right this minute is um, being present. And I know that's a bit of a, you know, cliche. Sort of no, term. no, yep, what, what yep. do I mean by that sort of thing? What it means for me is I think, you know, I get mum guilt like any other mum. And and I guess I get work guilt if I sort of use that phrase in yep. a work context <laughs> as well. And and what I mean by that is when I'm doing one, I'm feeling like I'm neglecting the other, yep. or I'm um, feeling yeah, I'm feeling guilty that I'm not doing the other or or whatever. Um, and I'm really trying to work on being pre- present and not feeling that. You know, yep. when I'm when I'm doing one, forget about the other one. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. and. Um, Focus completely on the one that I'm doing. Yeah, at sounds that like you point. might have a slight case of FOMO there, Council. Yeah, yeah I know yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's yeah. exactly right, and it's quite. It can be hard, but I, I've got to. You know, I'm trying to yeah. work on that. The you know, yeah, yeah. when like in the prioritising sort of thing, it's like on a Wednesday. So I work four days when I'm not on maternity leave. I um <laughs> I work four days, and on Wednesdays I have my day out of the office. I'm with my son, but now with with my two, and I you know it's remembering that. When I'm at work, I've made a commitment to work, right? But when I'm on, when I'm away from work on the Wednesdays, I've equally I've made a commitment to my husband to yep. be there with our kids, yep. and I've made a commitment to my kids. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's yep. sort of remembering not taking the phone calls, yeah, not answering them. And that's, I do end up doing it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, Inevitably, yeah. I do something, but, but not letting it take over no, the day. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't realise. They uh, when they go to any type of court, family or criminal, um, they're such like. Lawyers and judges have to do an awful lot of case law research because yes. if you don't do the case law research, then you go to court and somebody says, oh, hey, look, Smith versus blah, blah, blah. And you go, oh, I'm not familiar with that. Chance you could lose the case. Uh, so I do know that there are lots of people who, you know, are these lawyers ever working? It's like, yes, they are. Um, they're just studying case law and doing other stuff. So please just ease back on that sometimes. Right now, you do an incredible amount of, um, what I'd say is extracurricular activity. Yeah, I call it that too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the same, right? So, <laughs> yeah. University of Auckland mentoring, uh, White Ribbon Ambassador, you've done stuff for Shine and all that. What drives you to do the extra? Because, look, let's be honest, mum, uh, partner in a law firm, blah, 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 it would be quite easy for you to come up the driveway at five o'clock, shut the door and go, and we're done. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah. And I know that when you, you're a family lawyer, uh, again, having dealt with family lawyers in the past, you make much more of a personal connection with your clients and you get to see, like I said, the worst of humanity sometimes. Yes. Um, so is it, um, and I mean this very nicely because these are some of the things I've had said about myself, um, do you suffer a saviour complex? Uh, do you want to try and save the world? Um, are you just trying to do the best that you can or are you trying to leave things in a better way than what you found them in, yeah, or, or e, probably or the, the above. probably the last one. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I probably yeah. wouldn't. I think it would be an overstatement to say the others. I think maybe the last one a bit. Um, yeah. 
It's definitely, I mean, you'll see that a lot of my extracurriculars, as they're calling them, um, <laughs> centre around um, family violence, and that's always been an area of interest yep. for me, and I've always worked, done whatever I can within my powers to combat domestic violence, yep. or now family violence, as it's called. Um, but, um, so that's motivated me, you yep. know, because I do have, I have a genuine passion in that area, and I think, um, you know, I, it's it's just assisting the vulnerable in any way, so... It's not just um, adults as well. It's, it's children. I've always been interested in any sort of um, doing anything I can to help children. So I used to go to Starship Hospital, for example, once a week for years um, and see the kids there and play with them. And you um. know, they have volunteers who do that and things. And I really enjoyed it and um, got a lot out of that. But, um, yeah, I just think they're in such a vulnerable spot going back to family violence victims. And they're in such, in such a vulnerable spot and they really do need someone... Um, to you know hold their hand in a professional sense and you know I'll never forget this time that I had this client come to me and she was telling me about the most horrific violence and I and I was you know trying to um explain to her what her options were and you know she was really um beaten down um both physically and um figuratively yep and she um was really trying to get her head around making an application and I had said about um, preparing the draft documents and application, her supporting affidavits or her written evidence. And I um, presented that to her as, of course, I do, you know, every time I prepare documents. Um, he changed to swear the affidavit after all and went through with her very carefully, you know, what, what was said there and said to her, is this true and correct, you know, and, and accurate to the best of your knowledge and belief before you go ahead, you know, and um, swear this affidavit. And she just sat there in silence and I wasn't quite sure what was going on. And she sort of turned to me and said, look, I'm not really very happy about this, Kesia, and I was sort of quite, quite caught off guard, you know, and I said, oh, what, what do you mean? And she said, you've just made it sound really bad, Kesia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I don't know why, Brian, but I'll never forget. And I, and I said to her, you know, it's not that I've made it sound really bad. It is really bad, yeah. you know? Yeah. And she, has still, she just hadn't got, you know, she's obviously um, been um, manipulated um, and, and hasn't had the perspective or the objectivity to see just how bad her situation is yeah. and she obviously she really still hadn't got to that point um, but it was just always yeah it just really took me back you know yeah. and I had to say no it's because it is really but you're just seeing it in print now yeah, you yeah. Know? and That's, I think yeah. sometimes when people see lawyers then it, it does become black and white yes, all of a sudden yeah. and they see it like you say you know and it's like Oh, wow, now that you put it that way, it, it does kind of seem really bad. And it's like, yeah. And I think also, like you've said, um, and I say this as a White Ribbon ambassador as well, some people think that that type of behaviour is just normal. It's not. Absolutely. Um, yeah, which always horrifies me. Now, speaking of which, um, I'm, I have no doubt that you and I have seen some spectacular relationship breakdowns, right? Yeah. I've seen everything from uh, clothes on the front lawn going on fire to, how do I put this nicely, excrement smeared in hubcaps and also car seat oh. covers, right? Anyway, oh. that's just some of the smaller ones that yes. I can mention, right? Yes. Um, and others... Seem to, smaller? Yeah, 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 oh. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Others can go really quite sort of smooth, to be fair. Yes. Um, what steps can you take if you are involved in a breakup to make it work as best as you can? And I know that that's... That's a huge question because you're just like, well, there's counselling you could do and there's this and everything else. Um, I know a man, for instance, who was a builder who'd built three houses for three separate relationships he's in. And his answer was, if the relationship's not going that well, what I do is I say, hey, look, you keep the house. Just give me my van and tools because I know that I can build another house and find another relationship. Yes. And I'm always walking away a friend. Um, sometimes it's not that easy, but 
if you are going through a relationship breakup, what's the sort of best initial advice to have? Is it to sort of go to your separate corners and we'll we'll talk via lawyers? Or if you're still talking sort of amicably, keep talking that way or not? Oh, absolutely. What yep. you've just said, I would definitely support that and endorse yep. that. Yeah, if, you know, an ideal scenario, what that would look like would be, um, you know, that you're able to reach some um, agreements, even if it's just in principle. And, of course, at that stage, it's not informed by no. legal advice, yep. okay? Yeah, um, then you know, then go to a lawyer and approach you know, and approach your lawyers independently, and have them you know um, formalise it in whatever yep. way is appropriate or, or suitable for for the both of you. Yep. Um, but of course, as you say, it's that's not always the case. No. And um, you know, as a lawyer, I have people come to me. Um, you know how these relationship breakdowns come to me, Brian. Of course, is if someone is contemplating ending a relationship and wanting to be proactive and effectively get their ducks in a row, and you know, find out what their legal yep. position would be if they left the relationship, um, or that the relationship has come to an end, and um, they want to know what their position is, and um, it could, you know, you see people in completely different spaces, and. Um, you know, they've sort of left the relationship a long time ago sort of thing. Um, yep. And so they're, you know, sort of feeling like they're really over it sort of thing. Or um, there's been a very recent and traumatic breakup. So, you know, discovery of yep. an affair or family violence incident or something like that. Um, and our, you know, the client's role is to give us instructions and the lawyer's job is to, as I say, give advice about all of the options, what are the um what are the options themselves? What are the likelihood? What is the likelihood of success of each? What's the likely associated costs? All those bits and pieces so that they can make informed decisions when giving us those instructions, and the rest is really left to them. But certainly, as you say, court should be a last resort. You know, turn to the court as um, a means of um, resolving a dispute when you've exhausted all other reasonable, you know, options yep. to try and resolve the matter without. A, a decision being imposed by yep. a court. Um, and, you know, in a parenting context, for example, of course, you're going to be around each other by necessity for a long time and, and hopefully co-parenting. And so you really need to think about the longer term. Yeah. But as you say, it is a big question in terms of what can you do. And I think um, I have sort of different tips depending on what type of family law we're talking about. So, for example, in a property context, um you know, don't sweat the small stuff. Like, yeah. don't sit around fighting about the knives and forks. Um, yeah. Do a cost-benefit analysis. You know, this is this is not worthwhile. And um, the immortal and words of Kenny Rogers: "You got to know when to hold them and know when to fold that's them." That's exactly yeah. right. So I don't. What I don't. I don't mean you know giving up on your no. um, reasonable um, you know claims and entitlements and things like that. Yeah. So I'm not saying don't sweat the small stuff in that sense. I'm saying you know in terms of the stuff that's not really important, um, and also on the property sort of. Um, topic um contracting out agreement you know um think about is there likely to be when and if you separate um is there likely to be some question marks about who's going to walk away with what and things like that well set yourself up so that you set your own rules and you've said you know clearly with the assistance of lawyers you know what is to happen so that's now, a I'm really gonna, good tip, i'm gonna jump were. in there right mm. i'll move a couple of questions ahead here because the contracting out agreement most people know them in new zealand as a prenuptial which yeah, is not not American a term we term. use is it no so it's contracting yeah. out is the is our term for yeah, it yeah yeah um and lots of people see that when they go to get married uh or they're in a relationship that's longer than sort of three or four years is sort of well, hang on, even though you said we're never going to break up and we're happily in love and everything else, by me sort of contracting out, is this sort of like maybe maybe one day we will break up? And I know that some people sort of see it as this sort of yeah. faint glimmer of, perhaps we're not going to stay together forever. Yeah. Um, is it 
in reality is it's it's not that complicated, is it? It's just basically you because as I hear it correctly, if I'm correct listening to you in the podcast, there's actually the Relationship Property Act, right? So yeah, is that property, right? It's property relationship okay, yeah, to cool. be exact, but yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you have separate property, which is property that you bring into the relationship. Yes, yeah, so m- yeah, more often than not, it will be yeah, yep. property that you've acquired that predates the relationship. Yep. yep. Or if uh, me and my partner, uh, wife, whatever, um, get together and then we decide we're going to buy a Maserati, uh, uh, then nice. that, yeah, dreams are true. Uh, yeah, and then, <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden, that has become relationship property. That's correct, isn't it? When, you, when you've acquired it during yeah, the relationship, during the relationship. Yes. Yeah. yes, yeah, yep. yeah. So, so I think lots of people get kind of confused on that because yeah. I know that there are lots of blokes who you know who um, I know that it's like, oh, there's no way she'll ever get the boat, or there's no way he'll get this and that type of stuff. And it's like, well, um, kind of the bad news is if you've pitched this during the relationship, the chances are, yeah, but yeah, okay, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, one of the other things just to be sort of weary of, I suppose, with um, the property relationships act. You know, you have. Um, the starting point is an equal division um, yep. of all relationship property, and just remembering that um, we're talking about relationship property. We're not so property that's um, that falls for division under the Act is property that's personally owned and not trust owned or company owned. So you're talking about different legislation yep. there. Yep. Yep. And do people, when you're contracting out, do people, much like their wills or uh, anything else, do they go and come and see you, um, sign the agreement? Yep, we're all happy with that. Blah blah blah. And then, fifteen years later, when they do break up nothing's been added to the agreement or anything else and it's a, a minefield. So is it uh, a good practice to get into just to sort of pop in and see your family lawyer and say, hey, look, we've got a contracting out agreement. Uh, can we update it every three, four years? Is Absolutely, that, Brian. Yeah. So we say to treat it as a living document, as yeah. it were. So, you know, as you say, if you have some significant life events, so you have um, inv- um, welcomed some children into your life or, you know, you, you get married if you weren't before, and, you know, things like that, um, definitely do update it. Yeah. Um, if you, you know, if you want to change it, of course. Yeah. Um, otherwise, just leave it be. But um, if you do want to change it, and also you can um, be preemptive about that. You can say in a contracting out agreement when and if this happens. So, for example, on us um, having a child, this is going to happen. You know, or yeah. you can, and you can have a sunset clause which altogether terminates the agreement if right. um, if such and such happens. You know, so there yeah. can there are things that you can do. So technically, I could, for instance, let's say, put in there: uh, should I ever win lotto, all of those winnings will be mine. <laughs> You could give it a try. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't think your wife or your lawyer <laughs> yeah, no. would be very pleased about well, it, or would endorse it. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, yeah you know. no, absolutely. Yeah. But I think, in terms of you know tips, like you were saying before, you know, I think you do need to try and be as fair and reasonable as you can be, and um, you know, some of that only comes with legal advice, right? Like you've yeah. got to go. You know, and actually, I should say, you know, mm-hmm. a, an obvious tip for me to say is try and go when you're dealing with family law issues. Try and go to a family law specialist. Don't go to someone who dabbles. Go to someone who's you yeah. know, really um, up to date about the law and you know deals with this is their bread and butter, as you put it for. Um, and you know they can say to you, for example, a guardianship dispute. Well, you know, don't make any decisions without consulting with the other guardian. Don't implement those decisions. Don't talk to the kids about those decisions. No. You know, just don't do that. Um, your parenting side of things, you know, they can say a family lawyer can talk to you about, you know, the fact that lawyer for child is involved and, yep. um, you know, what their role is and um, the impact of a child's views and all those bits and pieces. And also, I would hope, um, sort of talk you through making sure um, that you don't expose the child to, um, you know, disparaging comments about the about the other parent or um, to expose them to, you know, adult issues or, yep. or com- um, other conflict and things like that because 
I've seen the most horrific cases. I'm not sure, Brian, how much you've had to deal with this sort of thing, but um, in your work, but where you know, psychologist has said you know that um, there's varying levels of influence by mm-hmm. parents, yep. but you know you can get to the extreme situation of alienation. And I've had many cases come across my desk where, you know, it's horrific where you know one parent is entirely rejected by the other of you. You're yeah. nodding along. Uh, everything from parents performing sexual acts in front of their children, yeah. uh, with partners to hey, dad said that we can't have an iPad. Oh well, that's bad luck because I have you guys at the weekend and I'm buying you an iPad. And it's like, yep. how can you expect somebody who's only five or six to deal with that and then go Absolutely. back? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's probably why it's really important that there is a lawyer for child in lots of cases. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, you're right. There, There's some really horrific things like that. And sometimes, you know, we get clients that just want to be punitive, you know, yeah. and especially, for example, where something's happened, like the relationship has broken down on account of an affair or something like yeah. that and trust is lost and, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. They just want to make the other person's life difficult and you really have to do quite a lot of work to, you know, steer them in the right direction about I mean of course you'd advise them about the yeah. law anyway yeah. that the law's not the law doesn't agree with you on XYZ. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um but you know a- another case for example would be that I had at the tail end of last year was, you know, I had a client where she had um had a miscarriage um, many years prior to the relationship breakup. And um the years later had a child, um no Don had a child and um, you know, subsequently as I say they'd split, this couple had split. But the ex, the father, was trying to use her suicide attempt against her mm-hmm. to sort of show um, that she was an unfit parent. Yeah. Even though it was, as I say, it was long, it was historical, yeah. there weren't any sort of enduring consequences. She was on medication, there was no um, risk of danger to the child, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, like I say, we get some people. We see some people who really want to be punitive and really hurt the other person, and it can be, yeah. Yeah, 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 I hear you. Uh, right, so some children, uh, there's, sometimes there's a pressure to have children that, that can cause issues in relationships, right? So if you are headed down the path of surrogacy, ad- adoption, fostering, or even IVF treatment, is it worth going to see a family lawyer before you start that? I know people who have done all of those and some more. Um, yeah. yeah, and very often in the same relationship as well. Um, and, you know, things haven't quite happened the way they thought they were going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and then things have started, the relationship started to either break down um, or they put so much pressure on themselves that um, when they're doing IVF treatment, there's sort of a, a relationship breakup and then it's like, well, I'm still going to kind of continue the treatment because you've signed and blah, blah, blah. Is it worth just going in to see a family lawyer before you go down any of those paths to sort of say, hey, this is what we're thinking about doing. Yeah. Um, any, could you give us any sort of good advice there yeah, to get started? Yeah, it's not a bad idea at all, Brian. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, you'd um, you'd be looking for sort of like the building blocks or the fundamentals about yeah, these yeah, things, right? Yeah. So, like, for example... Um, with adoption, you know, we could a lawyer could tell you, as I could, you know, that yeah. um, it severs all legal ties with, yeah. you know, the birth parents. Yeah. Um, you know, things like that that you may otherwise not, you know, be aware of. Um, and um, the impacts it has on, you know, inheritance and, you know, um, financial yeah. issues and things like that. Um, and likewise with surrogacy, you know, you could have a lawyer explain to you those fundamentals like, you know, um, it is, um, it's, the, the commercial surrogacy is entirely prohibited, yeah. um, but regulated, you know, clinically assisted um, surrogacy arrangements, uh, you know, happen. 
and um, that, that but they're not enforceable. Yep. Um, and if you go to a sort of you move on to sort of a formal um, a formal situation, so you're wanting to, you know to make an adoption application or you're wanting to enter into a surrogacy arrangement, you need a lawyer yep. um, to assist you with those um, with those matters anyway. So certainly with a surrogacy arrangement, um, you need a lawyer to prepare and complete a um, what we call a legal report, and that goes to the ethics committee, and it's part of the application for approval for yep. a surrogacy arrangement. Yeah, so because I mean, there's lots of people who get themselves into that situation. Um, they'll adopt or foster a child, and I know that there's like lots of workshops that people have to do and the such like but there's always on a foster parents mind or a, an adoptive parents mind what happens if they ever go back and make contact with their parents and all yeah. that type of stuff so and that's yeah. meant to the idea is that that's meant to be worked out in the counseling Correct. process yep. before yeah, yeah so um you know a good counselor will of course cover off all of those things and that's again that's part of the process before you make an ethics um committee application ecart application for surrogacy um, and you know certainly adoption as well. Um, and yep. adoptions obviously take so many different shapes, right? You've got whangai adoptions. You've got that that are formalised. You've got adopting a stepchild. Yeah. Um, you know you've got adoption following a surrogacy arrangement. So there's lots and lots of different types, and there's Overseas different issues adoption. attached to each. Overseas, absolutely. Yep. So you've got yep. internationally as well. So there's issues you know stemming from each, and you know there's more particular issues that you need to sort of pay attention to. So. Now, often you read about family law cases, not necessarily from New Zealand, but overseas, where people have donated eggs, sperm for an IVF treatment yes. with their partner, and then either tragic circumstances have occurred, yes. a one or other party gets uh, is deceased or dies, uh, or the relationships break down and then a death happens, and then you read about it and it's sort of, oh, the sperm that was donated six years ago by my deceased partner, I'm going to use it because I've got a new partner and that type of stuff. Um <clears throat> It's very hard to like get any case law on that type of stuff. Is that by uh, for the layman? Is that on a case by case basis, um, or there'd be enough case law with those sort of incidences now? Because uh, IVF treatment's been around eh, 20, 30 years, I'm guessing, uh, to establish what will happen. I guess what I'm trying to say there is that's the importance of a family lawyer right there, isn't it? Because you've got all yeah. these interested parties, yep. including the parents of the deceased party, uh, maybe even the brother of the deceased party, sister, whatever. Um, uh, do we have enough case law in New Zealand to basically be able to look at that and say, well, actually, if we refer to this case where this happened, chances are when this you, is probably what's going to happen. When you say there's um, someone's deceased, what timing are you talking about? Oh, like right, just, just in general. So let's say uh, somebody goes down and has donated some sperm or they've donated some eggs and then... They're in a relationship for five or six years. Uh, one party has an accident, tragic ac- accident or something, or maybe just dies from natural causes. That person goes on to form a new relationship with another partner. Maybe they can't have children themselves. And they want to use their... Yeah. Oh, I see what you yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah. Yep, have yep, you ever yep. come across something? Because you see some of them from America and Canada and places like that, and you go, oh my... I mean, I look at it as a police officer of 26 years and go, oh my God, that's overly complicated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Personally, I haven't, no, come oh, across well. that situation and, you know, the ownership, of, you know, once yeah. it's ceased. I do, you know, there has been some times when I've um, been confronted with some pretty tricky issues and I have... Um, you know, had to speak to Fertility Associates or Fertility yep. Plus and things like that and get, get some information from them about those sorts of things. But yep. um, I haven't come across that one well, personally, no. So is, I would be very reluctant to say. That's a good thing then. We'll just leave it at that. Right, so those that don't know, uh, I obviously do, but do you want to just very briefly explain to us what case law is? Because we've law, used it a couple sure. of times and I'm like, 
Uh, actually, I'm thinking about the illiterate comment I make. Perhaps we should explain case yeah, law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So case law is basically precedent. So it's yep. cases that have come before the courts before um, where a certain um, issue has been considered and a judge has made a determination and yep. um, they operate, as I say, as precedents. And so um, when other cases, similar-like cases... Um, come before the court subsequently, then they can be used to, you know, for for um, a lawyer to say or a judge to rely on to say yep. this is why a decision should be made or and has been made. And like you say, it's a precedent, but the judge can take it into consideration, can't they? It's not like a, a tablet of stone. Sure. It says, depends which court. So if yep. it's a higher court or it's, you know, yep. the same level court or what have you, that's um, it, that depends on that whether or not it's binding or not. There yeah. we go. We've just done it. Right. Paternity <laughs> issues often happen. Where's the best place to start with any of this? And what are some some of the pitfalls and issues that may arise now and both in the future. Uh, for instance, let's say with sperm donors or a child wanting to prove uh, that somebody's their birth father, um, can uh, a court compel somebody to give them their DNA in paternity cases and that type of stuff? How far can it go? Um, okay, so paternity, <clears throat> generally speaking, um, there are, and it's paternity and non-paternity as well, yep. because some people are wanting to get, yeah. you know, if there's a legal presumption that someone's the parent and, and then the father and they're not, yep. um, you know, that's also an issue and comes before the courts. Um, there's two ways that um, it can be established legally that um, someone is, um, you know, is father. There's um, an application under the Family Proceedings Act, and that's an application that can be made only by mum or her representatives. Um and there's an application um, that can be made under the Status of Children Act. Um, but either way, um, you're trying to get to the bottom, of course, of, of who Dad is. And um, a court can make a recommendation yep. um, for DNA testing to be carried out mm-hmm. so to, to determine who um, who father is. Um, yeah. Okay. Those are the, the two options. That, but, um, yeah. Okay, so now, now that you've brought it up, DNA testing, um, everybody likes to do the DNA test kits. And <clears throat> as no doubt you have seen, like I have recently, uh, there's been a number of those gifted to people for birthdays or Christmas. And they've done oh, them wow, and then no. gone, yeah, cool, yeah. I've done it. And the results have come back and gone, well, hang on, that can't be right because my dad's this race and it says that my father should be this race. Oh gosh! Oh yeah. Have you had any incidents? I of haven't. That? No, no oh, I haven't. Enjoy that when it happens. Just oh me. goodness me! Yeah, you know, and that's that caused a domestic dispute. And yeah, anyway. <clears throat> so right now, property. Well, and, with, I th- and, I th- pro- and you know, and with DNA testing too, there's a lot of people who say, you know, absolutely, I'm not going to partake in DNA testing. Yeah. And I think you know, um, you know, what they then come up against is um, a negative inference can be drawn yeah. by the judge. Um, you know, i.e., why? Why yeah. are you resisting? Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Now, as what Ribbon Ambassadors, you and I both know that pets gets used very often uh, by tormentors um, or aggrieved parties as sort of emotional blackmail. You know, uh, yeah. if you don't do this, I'm going to kill the dog or uh, I'll take your cats and that type of stuff. When it comes to property disputes, um, how are pets covered in, under family law? Because, yeah, okay, I mean, yeah. for most people, tabby's tabby, uh, who cares? But for some people, it's like they're nearest and dearest companion. So, yeah, absolutely yeah. right. Um, they will be, you know, they're a, a pet acquired during the relationship, relationship property. Yeah. So, um, you know, they need they need to be, should be, um, yeah. dealt with in the same way. So, yeah. um, but, you know, unlike other items, obviously, they can't be split. Yeah, you know? yeah, um, that's well. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. polarising. It's, a, you know, one person yeah, yeah. Gets, gets to keep Missy yeah. the cat or yeah. whatever. Um, so, um, yeah, and you also, um, you know, it's sort of, 
a parenting almost type situation can overlap with property in those sorts of situations yeah. too because you know sometimes I've had to come up with an arrangement for essentially like shared care yeah. of, of, Doggy of the daycare. dog or yeah. Yeah, yeah and things like that so yeah. um yeah. yeah, I get it. Yeah, okay. But absolutely, yeah, it is really concerning as you yeah. returning to the you know the first point you made about um, yeah threats to to harm pets yeah. um, in a family violence context. Yeah. Now, mentoring is something that you commit an awful lot of time to, probably more than you should. Just quietly, mum. But hope that's all good. <laughs> uh, what's life like for a first or second year lawyer, and why is mentoring so important for your profession? Yeah, I think, like I was saying earlier, I think it really does help to build your confidence yep. because you probably um, don't feel quite as alone because yep. you've got someone in your corner, as it were, because um, they're able to sort of guide you and inform you um, on your decision-making. You know, where it, it could be, you know, that it's legal, the question that you have or the wondering yep. that you have sort of thing. Um or it just could be a question about workplace culture and, you know, for law firms. Or what can I expect with this? Or what's yep. acceptable here? Or, yep. you know, that's that's in the profession. Because, of course, every profession, every industry, you know, that's that we're all different, yep. right? So, um, yeah, I think it's really important for that confidence building, as I say. And, um, and, yeah, just to gain from other people's experiences, as I was talking about earlier. You know, when you're lacking an experience, yep. why not tap into that? And, um, and can you recommend, like, uh, you and I both know that by the time you graduate and everything else, you've probably done enough practicals and seen enough, but not everybody's a confident public speaker. Yeah. So do you recommend things like Toastmasters and that type of thing to I ha- yeah, practicing? I, yeah, I haven't I haven't had cause to, I don't think, Brian, honestly... Yep. Um, but I certainly wouldn't, you know, be against. I think it's a really great yep. suggestion. And I mean, um, I know that criminal law is a bit more of a, how do I put this nicely, theatrical performance than family law is. Can well, I say again, that? It can, I no, just have, no, it can be yeah, quite theatrical yeah, in family too. I'll tell you. Yeah. But um, you know, a, a lot of family lawyers, I think, because we don't necessarily go to court as much as um yep. as we want to. to quite frankly, yep. um. You know, we do really enjoy being on our feet yeah, and yeah. advocating, you know, in a, in a court context and, you know, cross-examination, doing, you know, cross-examination, there's just really nothing like it. Yeah. Point, you know, revealing inconsistencies, contradictions, yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I, think so... that, I think if the general public knew, though, just in general, this is from just what I've seen, when you watch movies like A Few Good Men, yeah. uh, when you watch uh, like 12 Angry Men and all those types of stuff, the courtroom scenes in those are generally harder than any other, the, any courtroom you, you'll actually experience in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can remember being petrified as a rookie police officer yeah. going to court for the first time and then walking out going, oh, that wasn't anywhere near as bad yep. as what I thought it was going to be. Yep. Everybody was kind of friendly and Registar explained her role or their role and I was like, oh, okay, cool, no worries. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess, I don't know. I mean, the court's always engaged on an application, right? Yeah. And um, that's how they become engaged. And um, from there, the nature of any appearance will be um, how, will dictate, sorry, how the process specifically works. So, for example, if you've got a procedural appearance um, or you've got, um, so in other words, what's the next step in the, in the process? Yeah. Um, or you've got a submissions only hearing or um, it's a full defended hearing or trial. Um those will all be slightly different, but in each case, you have your parties or and or their representatives um, putting forward their positions and um, a judge making a decision. So yeah. you know, ultimately, that's where you end up. And unless it's appealed, that's the end of the matter. You know, yeah. um, does it amaze you at how many people go to court and don't ask? Like they'll see something, like say, for instance, you'll 
have a decision made or something else and so you will go as a family lawyer or a lawyer and go well, okay so the judges decided this this and this and that's yeah. blah 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 et cetera, et cetera. and they go cool no worries cool excuse you see you next time bye and then they'll get into their car or something look at their partner or something and go what actually just kind of happened there it kind of amazes me sometimes right, the number of people yeah. that go to court and actually don't get it and I'm always saying yes. to people if you don't know ask absolutely yeah, you know, it, that does, yeah. I, I share that sentiment I, that troubles me yeah. and it's one of the reasons I've sort of adopted the practice um, of writing yeah. You know, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, write, yeah, yeah. dear client, this was the outcome of the, you know, yeah. of the appearance that we both attended today before judge, blah, blah, on blah, blah, day. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Because um, it does concern me that I think sometimes they don't necessarily understand the gravity or the implications of, of what's just happened and, you know, the flow on effects and, you know, all those yeah. sorts of things. And um, and quite honestly, as a lawyer, it's a bit, um, I don't want to necessarily use this term, this casu- you know, be so casual, but a butt-covering exercise yeah. as well because I want to make sure that I have done my job um, to the fullest extent yeah. by explaining all the effects, you know, yeah. of, of what's just happened. And let's be honest, legalese is almost like a different language, to be fair, Well, isn't it? it absolutely yeah, yeah, is, yeah. yeah. And so. you, they, clients just want to know, well, what does this mean? Yeah, and yeah. like human speak, what yeah, does that mean? Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, uh, and fair enough. COVID placed huge demands on just about every profession, and lawyers and courts were absolutely no different, right? Um, yes, backlogs everywhere, yeah. Yeah, so the Legal Workers Union did a survey and found out that 74% of their respondents... Uh, suffered mental health because mental health issues because of their work right which is huge it's three quarters of the workforce right um what was family court like and the demands like during that time i'd imagine you were doing an awful lot of zoom sessions with people everywhere absolutely yep. so a lot of our um court appearances were taking place on your yeah, online platforms yeah um and you know or on the phone yeah um so you know so video will find um, and you know it really does make a difference, in my opinion. You know, it's it's um, I don't, there's just there's something magic about being on your feet, and you just don't have the same presence. No, I do not think I'm anywhere near as um, as compelling on yeah. by phone or <laughs> yeah. video, if I'm go. honest. Yeah. Um, but that was you know the, every law, but you know the. the um, the thing there that makes that okay is that we, you know, we were all yep. affected, and that we were all having to do it. Yep. So um, no one was disadvantaged, you no, know, sort of yep. thing in a way, because um, every law, everyone's lawyer had to do that. But yeah, no, it definitely did have, did have that impact. Yep. Yeah, yeah, now, it was being, hard. Like you've said, you've alluded to before, being a lawyer can be a very lone, lonely profession, right? So the CDC in America, for instance, lawyers rank fourth. I don't know if you know any of this. Uh, no, I don't. When it, when it comes to proportions of suicide, right? Right. Uh, if that profession uh, is compared to others, so you're actually behind dentists, uh, pharmacists, and physicians as far as professions go for suicides, right? Yeah. So in America, um, you're 3.6 times more likely to suffer depression uh, than most more normal people, right? How has the profession and the health and the welfare of lawyers changed since you were first admitted? Because, I mean, you started off in 2009. Yes. Right, so yeah. despite the fact you're still only 24, uh, <laughs> let's not figure the maths out on that. No, right? no. let's not do the arithmetic. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah, happy yeah. with that result. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, I've been a police officer 27 years this year. I've seen some huge changes. Yeah. Uh, police officers taking counselling, going to see psychologists, yes. that type of stuff. I um, have no doubt that you've seen the same. Yeah. Um, how has it changed since you first started? Yeah, lots of things have lingered, like, you know, stuck around. Like yeah. we have um, the Friends Panel, for example, which is, you know, where as a lawyer you can confer with, consult with um, lawyers more senior than you about, you know, a variety of issues and things like that. We've got, we've had um, 
changes to the rules around how we practice and things like yep. that. There's been lots of things that have happened. You're absolutely right. Um, there's been a whole lot more support services rolled out. There's yep. free counselling that's now um, offered to lawyers yeah. that are suffering. And indeed, I believe that... that um, that counselling, that offering is also extended to support staff and things yep. as well. So it's anyone in the law firm, in other words, it's not Yeah, because people forget that like, your PA um, will probably read well, some of your exactly case notes. Well, that's exactly what I mean. Like, that's yeah. right, Brian, yeah. Um, and they're, you know, they're talking to the client at the other end of the yeah, phone exactly. too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where is she? How come I can't get hold of and her? And honestly, like, yeah. it, can be, it yeah. can be really overwhelming. That's why I talked about compartmentalising before. I don't want to say detach because that suggests um, uncaring and it's absolutely not that. You do think about your yeah. clients after, yeah, after yeah. work and when you leave the office. Um, but compartmentalising because, you know, I had a client, for example, um, last year who was... Um, being exposed to some really significant online abuse and it was absolutely horrific she was um she was indian in the um impacts the potential impacts on her um in terms of, in her life in terms of how her parents would view her her ability to go on and get married if you know if other people saw it whether or not her indian friends would want to continue to be friends with her she would just you know the amount of the, the things that she said to me to me were you know it was really quite upsetting yep. quite honestly yep. and she would be crying and talking about how she'd been diagnosed with depression and that sort of thing as a result um, during many of our meetings and it is, it's re, it's can yeah. be really intense, yeah. it's not for the faint hearted no. and then you know so you've got all of that on a personal level but and also um, simultaneously you've got a whole heap of deadlines and commitments being thrown at you at any given time yeah. and your inbox is up to your own, up to your eyeballs and yeah. emails it's in you know it's it's yeah it's yeah. an intense uh, area and then you go to, to dinner with your mum and dad and yeah. your mum and dad are like you seem a bit flat what's going on <laughs> like, eh, yeah, you had a busy know. day yeah 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 yeah, I yeah just a little yeah. bit yeah yeah. 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 yeah no definitely okay so uh, um what's been the best piece of advice you've received as a lawyer from a mentor or starting off or just like a senior partner or something else what's, yeah do you know it's really sim- yeah, yeah it's really simple the one thing that sort of springs to mind immediately is um a lawyer said to me once um go with your gut you've got a good gut and go with your gut and, the, and i've always thought there's something in that you yep. know um obviously as a lawyer you've got to think about what's the relevant law how does it apply to this set of facts all that sort of stuff and you know there are some you know you've got to um follow your nose with all that stuff but you know sometimes you do have a gut feeling about something yeah and um listen to that yep yeah yeah that's like i said to people there is a reason why the hair's on the back of your neck stand up yeah listen uh how many how much inroads are women making in the legal profession in new zealand because when I started off, uh, despite the fact I only look like I'm 26, well, uh, right. 27 years ago, yeah, um, uh, criminal law in particular was seen, apart from a couple of, uh, shall we say, stalwarts, uh, was seen as a real male-dominated sort of old boys club. Yeah. Um, are women making huge progress with regards to representation in the legal profession? Yeah, I think so, absolutely. I mean, if we think back to... Um Ethel Benjamin, I'm sure that's her name, and it was I think it was the 1890s. She was the first New yeah. Zealand um, female lawyer. Um, we've made, you know, we've come so far since then. Um, I believe, and I haven't looked at stats, Brian, in ages, to be honest, but I believe lawyers, female lawyers, I think it's about, oh, it's just over half anyway, 54, 55, something like that. That's last time I looked, and I think it was a couple of years ago. Last time I looked, um, mind you, um, you know, we do make up quite a proportion. Yeah. Um, I don't know how. That translates to, to the judiciary. I'm actually not sure where that yep. sits currently, quite honestly. Um, but 
you know, I think we do, um, yeah, we do make up quite a lot of um, the population now. And certainly in my practice in family law specifically, and that's sort of really all I can speak to from a, you know, yeah, 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 on yeah. a personal level, I don't see there being any sort of distinction, I think. No. You know, there's, there are a lot of, you know... Yeah. Um, and you know, slightly more. In fact, I think like the um, those stats I just gave. So oh yeah, suggest, um, yeah. Female lawyers around, and there's definitely a lot more um, that's done. You know, going back to what I was saying before, to support women as well in terms of the likes of um, you know, maternity leave and the things that are offered there and um, and things like that. You yeah, know? I mean, it's gone from when I started off with oh, you've got the woman judge to nobody oh, actually cares because look, yeah. the women judges were so rare. Whereas now it's quite a common yes. thing. So, yeah. Yes. So, all right. So, final question for you. It's the question we always ask. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but here we go. So, the day of reckoning has come for Kishi Dunhart. You're lying in your casket. But strangely enough, you can hear what everybody's saying about you. What would you like them to say about you? Not all the oh, goofy, no, funny okay. stuff, but what yeah. would you actually like them to say about you? Yeah. Gosh, yeah. What, a, what a fascinating question. That I was kind and compassionate. Yeah, I think that. kindness and compassion is there's not well there's not enough of it but um you know and I think and as well and speaking of um something that you know um, a lawyer more senior to me has said you know that I've remembered um I remember a lawyer saying to me you know you can be um an a really amazing sterling unrelenting advocate and also be kind and you know um to your colleagues at the same time they're yep. not you know, they're not exclusive. You yep. can be both. Yeah. And I've always remembered that. That's sort of, it's just come to me now. Yeah. There you go. And on that oh. sort of Ted Lasso life moment right there, we'll leave it. Thank you very much for your time. That's been really, really enlightening. Thanks for listening. But please do Constable Brian and I a favour and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next Coppuccino podcast. Real people, real stories.